I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth and Mission. Del Seymour was addicted to crack cocaine, sold drugs, and lived in a tenderloin dumpster for 18 years. Now he runs Code Tenderloin, a nonprofit that helps others turn their lives around like he did. Seymour, known as the mayor of the Tenderloin, is talking today about what the coronavirus and shelter-in-place rules have meant for the neighborhood and its notorious drug trade. Dal Seymour, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for inviting me. I love being here. Great. Wish we could do it in person, but we'll have to do that next time. Right. We've got to be obedient. <laughs> <laughs> so you lead walking tours of the Tenderloin, and you told me you were going to give yourself one of those tours this morning. What did you see on your walk, and how is the neighborhood looking? Well, I went down to the Fulton Square, which is between the Asian Art Museum and our great public library. People told me there were a few tents there, and I was not, I did not prepare myself to see what I saw. Uh, well over 200 tents, maybe closer to 300, on the Asian Art Museum side of the sidewalk of the, of the plaza. We are in no position really to accommodate or mediate or serve that community as it is. And I know the city has been talking about this safe camping space, but I don't think they were ready for this one. And I don't know if we're ready to be able to not have, we haven't had a big outburst in the Tenderloin per se yet. And the doctors can't even figure out why, but I think this might turn the corner if this is allowed to stay as it is. And can you describe what you saw in Fulton? Like, are these tents packed together really closely? Are there bathrooms, hand-washing stations? Um, can you kind of paint a picture of what it looks like? I, I just saw a few bathrooms probably not enough for that amount of people because if that was the amount of people at a concert or an event or a 420 finish zone, there would be hundreds of bathrooms and maybe there was two or three that I saw and hand and same with the hand washing stations. I think the, 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 the scale is way out of proportion to the services right now. Mm-hmm. And did these tents appear to be social distancing like six to 12 feet apart or were they all pretty crammed together? Well, they were bumper to bumper, like like the uh, 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 like the one on one freeway in, in the afternoon. Mm, wow! And are people wearing masks or or no? Very few people are wearing masks. So do you kind of think it's just a matter of time before there's an outbreak there? Well, you know, we're trying to figure out where we have really been immune to to the to the outbreak in a in a, in a community like the Tenderloin, and we've done studies and research all around the United States. And we seem to be the, the, the one community that, that has done better than any other community. And our community has the worst conditions. We can't figure out why. Maybe we have been, become immune to it because we live and feel for so long. Our antibodies have built up. Maybe it's because of our street medicine, if you know what I mean by street medicine. Maybe, <laughs> that, is, maybe that is covering up the symptoms. And there might be some medical basis for that, that the drugs that are used on the street can cover up the symptoms or mimic them. So um, we don't know. You, you, you know, we, we're glad that we're not seeing the deaths and the spread that other communities are. Just a step over Market Street, south of Market, we've had several large breakouts, and we can't figure out what we have spared. Maybe it's a case of not enough testing, so there could be cases, positive cases that you just don't know about. Well, you know, the, the, problem, with, the problem with testing, not that there's a problem with testing, but the situation with testing is that when you test someone that doesn't tell you if he had it five days ago and now is showing no symptoms, I, I, I mean, no signs, or if he's going to get it in five days. 
He may be a carrier. The day you test him, he may be a carrier. And so, you know, the test really doesn't show us a whole bunch. I mean, you would have to actually monitor someone for do the antibody test to see if they had it, and then monitor them for if you go pick this person to be a subject. Okay, you need to be with that person five days. Mm-hmm. And does the tenderloin in general look different to you than it did, say, in February before shelter in place, or does it look just as crowded as always? It's super crowded right now. Um, you know, we 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 the good thing that we release a lot of people for for misdemeanors out of our jails. Uh, Bay Every Wise, we're looking at six six hundred fifty people that have been released from from our county jails. And you know where they all came to? The tenderloin. What do you think City Hall could be doing better when it comes to keeping the Tenderloin safe so people can move around and have space to go about their business, you know, with some um, six feet or more between others? We cannot, we cannot shelter place. We cannot do social distancing. So I want the city to get out for that because that's a task we never can do. And that's ridiculous to ask for something that we can't do. Sounds good. You can do it in the White House. You can do it in Cleveland, but you can't do it in the Tenderloin. So let's get out of that. We, we cannot do it. We will not do it. So why don't they come up with another option? And uh, how have you seen drug sales and drug usage in the neighborhood affected since shelter-in-place rules went into effect? Well, you know, this is really a complicated situation. Uh, I've been down here, and I was part of the drug trade for 18 years myself, so I know a little bit about the inside of it. So what's happened is, the drug trade in the Tenderloin is fueled economically by shoplifting. That's the number one engine for drug sales and use in the Tenderloin. So now that our large shopping centers, our stores have been shut down, there's very little opportunity for shoplifting. So that means there's very little cash coming into the Tenderloin. People don't have those odd jobs like working under the table and all these other ways to get money in the Tenderloin. So right now, Drug trade is drastically down. However, we're looking for an uptip on Thursday. That's when the White House, the Treasury Department is sending out the SSI stimulus checks on Thursday. Everyone who's got a dep- bank account will get their check on Thursday. So that's going to be a few hundred thousand dollars in the tenderloin. So we're seeing that drug sales will probably go back up for three to four days. Mm-hmm. Are you still seeing just as many drug dealers coming into the neighborhood as always, or are they not because there's no money to buy the drugs? I didn't see as many today as I would have seen any other days. However, on the drug corners today, what I did notice is they have San Francisco police uh, requesting people to, 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 to shelter in place and do the social distancing. So that, that kind of broke up the corner, so I couldn't get a really good count. So I'm interested in you talking about your history. Right now you're called the mayor of the Tenderloin, but as you mentioned, you were um, in the drug trade yourself for 18 years. Um, I read somewhere online referred to you as Market Street's most prolific drug dealer at one point and that you slept in a dumpster in the Tenderloin. Can you describe those years and how you turned your life around? Well, I wandered into the Tenderloin. Um, man, uh, I forget what year, uh, whatever year it was, I wandered into the Tenderloin. Never been here, never seen anything like it. I thought they were shooting a movie. I kept looking for the camera and the sound crew because I knew no one can live like this. This could not be any area in the the free world. And I kept looking for the camera. And by 8 o'clock that night, I was part of that movie. And I started in that movie for 18 long years. 
And yes, where I did you arrive? In... Pardon me. Oh, where did you arrive from? Where were you living before you? you I was living in Los. I was living in L.A. Los Angeles. Where? where what I was brought from... you to San Francisco? Well, my my kids had moved up here, and I wanted to be close to them. To them. I took a retirement uh, from the er, very early retirement because of injury from the Los Angeles Fire Department. I was a firefighter paramedic in Los Angeles. Really straight cut guy, never used any drugs, never smoked a cigarette, had a beer every once in a while. That's the most of my involvement when I arrived in Taylor. Never had a drug in my body until that day. Wow. And then what happened? I just slipped. I, mean, I, I, got, I got addicted immediately, and I spent 18 years living on those streets. And as you say, living in the dumpster, because being a Vietnam veteran, I felt safe in the dumpster because a bullet cannot go through a dumpster. Wow. And what kind of drugs were you using and dealing? I only used one drug, but I used a lot of it, crack cocaine. Mm. Mm. And how did you pull yourself out of the addiction? Mine was my Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, who was my Savior before I left him, and he allowed me to come back with him. Wow. And what do you advise people who are homeless and addicted to drugs, like so many are in the Tenderloin now? What's your advice for them? What can they do to turn their lives around like you did? Try to remember who they were before they walked into Tenderloin. Try to remember what kind of life they had before they walked into Tenderloin. Try to remember how nice it was to go home and take your clothes out and get into a warm, clean bed. Think about those nights. You know, think about all that pleasure, all that high, the euphoria. But think about those days. Think about your grandkids. Think about your nieces, your nephews, who miss you. And think about the fact that you can turn it around. May not can do it the way I did it. May not can do it the day I did it. But one day you'll have a chance to turn it around. Bite on that. Bite on it. And you'll get the flag. You'll see it. I know you may not be ready today. But there will be a day when all the moons line up or, or whatever you want to call it. Take it. Because it may not come again. Take it. Mm-hmm. And what do you think it would take to rid the tenderloin of drugs? What could the police department, the DA's office, um, city hall, what what could everybody be doing better? They could do what we're doing at Code Tenderloin, my organization, the Tenderloin. We're offering the drug dealers alternative incomes. And about half the people that graduate from from my uh, classes are ex-drug dealers. Some are recently retired, very, like, by hours. So giving them another chance for income. Showing them how paycheck is a hell of a lot uh, better than the proceeds you get from drugs. It's more money. It's steady. You don't have to look over your shoulder. Ain't nobody going to rob you. Ain't nobody going to put you in jail. And there's an honorable thing that you can go home and show your kids that paycheck. You can sh- and you can, just like one of my young ladies said, with tears in her eyes, she walked in here and said, Dale, I can finally show my kids where I work. She sold drugs on, on, on Eddie and Taylor for 14 years. She never could tell her kids where she worked. She left the house every morning open and never could tell her kids where she worked. She said, Dale, I can now tell my kids where I work. And then I broke out in tears. No, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Where where does she work now? She works for three jobs. She works for source to plowshares and she works for home bridge and she does in home care. That's great. How many people have graduated from Code Tenderloin? Oh, we've had several I think we probably could tally up about 700 people. I've been doing this. I've been doing this six years, five and a half, six years now. I started working it out of the backseat of my car. And now we, we got two locations. We got plenty of funders. Uh, not, ne- never enough. Let me get that right. We're never enough, but we got some great funders. 
city of San Francisco, Twitter, Dolby, St. Anthony's, uh, uh, San Francisco Foundation. Uh, we got a we got a donor who 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 lives in Baltimore, has a business in Baltimore. His name is Scott Plank with Warhorn City. He just sent us twenty thousand dollars to give out masks yeah. in the city. That's how much a person from Baltimore, as rough a city as that is, I go back a lot, and, and he invites us, me and my team, back to talk to the city of Baltimore to share what we do out here in the Tenderloin. It was at the mayor, the chief of police in our sections back in Baltimore. But Mr. Plank has been wonderful. I think all total he's given us fifty to $60,000 to spend specifically in the Tenderloin. So we got a lot of angels like that. Mm-hmm. That's great. And so how does Code Tenderloin work? What exactly do you do to help people turn their lives around? Just five minutes before this call, one of our one of our students from 2016 who had to finish his prison term, we took him in while he was waiting sentencing, and he just got out this morning. And the, he says the first place I came was here, man. Hook me up, hook me up, because I don't I don't want to go back. So we he's in there, he's in the next one right now. We're giving him clothes, giving him some gift cards, and get getting. It. We I think we're gonna give him a laptop to get him back because you only generally have 38 hours. When someone gets out of prison, you got 38 hours. And they haven't found something to latch on in 38 hours, it's not good. Mm-hmm. Statistically, yeah. it's not good. And is Code Tenderloin able to keep working during shelter in place? Or are you guys on pause right now? No, no. We're, 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 we're on the corners. We're, we're on the way out the door now to give out masks and sanitizer. And a, a friend of mine, um, George Gibbs, a Vietnam veteran also like me, he... Um, has tons of brand new clothes that his kids never wore. And I mean, his grown kids never worn. He's brought us a truckload and we're sorting through that. And we'll be giving out wonderful coats, all brand new with the tags on. So we'll be doing that today. Uh, we're waiting on uh, 2000 masks. If they're here today, we'll give them out today. If not, we'll, we'll start giving them out tomorrow. So we're on the ground every day. Uh, we were trained by the Department of Public Health last week. We'll be taking temperatures. We got the new digital electronic thermometers that we'll be using today and on and on to try to get people awake and aware of what's going on. I'm Heather Knight and I'll be back with Del Seymour. I'm Heather Knight and I'm back with Del Seymour, founder of Code Tenderloin and known as the mayor of the Tenderloin. What do you think the coronavirus pandemic is teaching us about poverty, inequality, and the criminal justice system? I think it's equalizing folks' uh, position in life. When we are laying in that bed at General or Seton or St. Francis, you're laying next to a homeless person, and y'all both both are going through the same same thing. So it kind of like qualifies people down a little bit or up, depending on what side of what what side of the ball game you're on. So I think it equalizes things and, and it gets this is putting a, a bigger spotlight on the homeless situation because we've been in crisis 35 years. So this is just another crisis. So you know, it's not really affecting us as much as it does for the general population because we're already living as bad as we could be living. We've already got every illness in the world. We're sick as hell every day. So what's new, duh? <laughs> wow. Well, on that note, I'd like to give you our famous lightning round questions. Uh-oh. <laughs> Where is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito? Oh, 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 oh. I don't know the name of it, but it's on 17th 
and uh, uh, 17th and Valencia, right across from the Mission Police Station. It's clean, it's great, the food is good, and everything's fresh. Nice. What is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? Oh, uh, The Zodiac Killer, because it was filmed in the Tenderloin. Uh-huh. Yeah, and at the Chronicle Building. Oh, and at the Chronicle, <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so I was working at Original Joe's when they filmed it at Original Joe's, because that's where the, the supposed killer got his victims, from the bar at Original Joe's. Oh, wow. Scary. Did you, did you know that? I must have at one point, because I saw the movie, but I've forgotten. Yeah, yeah, they, they were, they, the movie company took over his results for four days. We were close to four days while they filmed inside. Oh, cool. Where is your favorite place in the city to get a stiff drink? Oh, Arm Charlie's. The drag bar, the transgender bar on uh, Turk and Taylor. Nice. What was your first concert? Ever in life? Oh, probably Michael yeah. Jackson. I'm not Ooh. sorry, the Jackson, probably just Jackson 5. Not Michael Jackson, but the Jackson 5. Where did you see them? In Gary, Indiana. Oh, cool. Is that where you're from? I'm from Chicago. Gary's a suburb mm-hmm. of Chicago. Mm-hmm. But I used to go to what we call the Motown Review, which is in the theater in South Side of Chicago. It would have James Brown, The Temptations, Marvin Gaye, Smokey Robinson, Gladys Knight, and on and on and on. And it was a concert <laughs> that cost us $1.35 uh, to get in, and you would have every star in the world. I love that. What was the last book you read? Oh, I, my eyes are so bad. I just don't read books anymore. Uh, <laughs> okay. I haven't read books in 20 years. My eyes just can't, I just can't take it. Got it. If you could wave a magic wand, what would be your one wish for the Tenderloin? I think my one wish for the Tenderloin would be a drug, a drug, uh, uh, a, a drug treatment center on every corner. Take every liquor store out, which are on every corner, and replace every liquor store with a drug rehab. A, a, a on-demand, 24 hours where you can walk in and get immediate immediate uh, 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 treatment. Because sometimes a guy will be walking down the street, and that moment will come. The stars will line up, and I'm tired of this, I'm ready. And where can he go? If he goes two blocks, he's going to run into another drug. He has a place to stop. If we, if we can afford to have a liquor store on every corner, we can afford to have a drug recovery center on every corner. Right. And you're called the mayor of the Tenderloin. So besides yourself, who is your favorite all-time mayor? Of all-time mayor? Well, right now I'm kind of biased because I'm thinking the things that she's done recently, Mayor Breed has really stood up to the plate. Uh, I'm not always in agreement with her. You know, I chair, I was appointed by her to chair the local homeless board at City Hall. But we don't always agree on strategy or protocol. But I've really been impressed by her by her, especially in this last week. And Gavin was great. Mayor Lee was my love of all time. So, you know, I'm kind of mixed. The, the Mayor Willie was was wonderful. My favorite mayor anywhere all over was Mayor Richard J. Daly in Chicago. What a man he was. Okay. What is your favorite little-known fact about the Tenderloin that people might be surprised to learn? Well, the little-known fact is that the majority of homeless people you would never identify because they, they do not look like they're homeless. What we're seeing on our streets is the minority of our homeless population. Majority of our homeless population are sleeping on your sofa, sleeping in cars at your house, and they get up and get themselves ready enough so they look fairly legitimate in the world. That way they can get they can sit in Starbucks all day, 
they can sit in Hilton Slavery all day and kind of blend in with folks. And people don't know that. Mm-hmm. What are you most looking forward to about the end of Shelter in Place? What will you do first that you can't do now? Uh, oh, man. Go and have me a good dinner somewhere. <laughs> that I don't have to nice. clean that I don't have to clean the dishes up. <laughs> cool. Last question. What is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? My, my kneel down on the floor by my bed to celebrate the day before and to thank God and ask him to kind of look out for me a little bit. Mm, that's great. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It was fun to talk to you. Yeah, it was fun doing it. Thanks so much. Thank you to Del Seymour for joining me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and to you for listening. Fifth and Mission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.